Um, this week, we'll be talking about onboarding contingent workers. Uh, some of the interesting stats out there that we found, um, Josh Burson did an industry report last year that found that 40% of contingent workers aren't really integrated or onboarded properly within an enterprise. Um, so we want to kind of uncover what are some of the issues there, why contractors are overlooked. Um, I'm Saad and the marketing team here at Utmost. We have Erica, Head of Client Services at Utmost, then David, Strategic Sourcing Manager at Salesforce. Um, and without further ado, I'm going to pass it over to Erica and David. But if you guys have never used Zoom before, there's a question and answer button like right around here. So you can click that and drop questions anytime. And we'll try and integrate them throughout the um, show. So um, thank you all again for joining. And I'm going to pass it over to Erica and David. Awesome. Thanks, Sad. Hey, everybody. I'm Erica Novak. I've had about 15 years as a CW practitioner in the contingent workforce industry, and this is kind of my, my love, my world. So I'm really excited to chat with David today and really get into what onboarding experiences could be versus what they are. So, David, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit and we'll jump in. Hi, Erica and Saad. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm really uh, happy to have this conversation with you and uh, all of our listeners. Um, joining this call. Um, I've had uh, more than a decade of experience in sourcing procurement and uh, consulting, um, but last year I found my new passion in staffing and contingent labor, um, which uh, really was not something that I expected, but um, really brought a, a new excitement and uh, I felt like it rejuvenated my career. So I'm really excited to be here to have this conversation. Aha, uh -huh, you're one of us. We never expect to have the love for contingent. And for those of us, we can't get rid of it. So, Welcome to the club. But uh, one of the things I'm excited to chat with you is based on your experience, right? Being you, you've had a solid career in procurement and strategic sourcing, but you've actually had an experience that not a lot of people do. You've been on both sides of the coin. You've been a contractor and an independent contractor through a couple of different programs and then have helped build a program. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about your experience as a contractor. What was it like through recruiting? through the selection and then through the onboarding. So give the listeners a little bit of idea like what it was like and what was good about it. Absolutely, I'm happy to share. Um, my experience has definitely been very unique, right? Having been both in the spectrum and uh, seeing how every, you know, understand and experience the, the entire um, inner workings of this, um, this business model. And I've, been a 1099 contractor as well as W2. So I've had experience in both independent as well as a, uh, a W2 uh, employee. Um, I would say the, the entire experience, it really varies, right? It's all over the place. And um, there's no one right answer. There's no one right one um, way to do it. Um, but I think the most, uh, regardless for, for companies, the biggest focus is the, how the quickest way to ramp up, to get someone ramped up to be able to perform, right? Because uh, companies go is I have a, a project with a, uh, usually with a, a, a finite amount of time, uh, a defined deadline. So uh, the clocks are ticking from, from, from day one, uh, for, from you know, the minute that you walk in the door uh, as a worker. So uh, my personal experience has always been, um, there's been some different variations, but majority is that is to it's very tactical. It just get get started and uh, get in your seat so you can start working. Talk to me a little bit because when we were we were chatting earlier, 
you had mentioned how surprised you were that there were about some of the good communication that you got from your staffing supplier and some of the bad communication. So talk to me about your experience and what the good communication feel like and what it did for you versus the bad. Yeah, sure. Again, it's, it's very much about speed. So it's the focus is on, oh, we have an opportunity. We'd like to talk to you. We'd like to, oh, um, you know, uh, to, to, I, to kind of do that screening process to see if there's a good fit. And then um, step by step, right, from, from that, going to interviewing, uh, phone interview, on-site, uh, you know, in-person interview, and then the communication goes out to what to expect from day one, how was you know how things started, and then uh, a quick introduction um, into how the uh, uh, time tracking work, interview how hours, you know benefits, and and everything that again it's, it's just very tactical things, things that need to be done in order to to onboard a person. And and there I don't think there's anything wrong with that, um, but um, I think what really is perhaps missing is more of a human factor where. We're talking more about, um, you know, company culture, or just um, if you're a staffing supplier, you know, um, build that relationship with the with the worker. No, I love it because I agree. There, like, there's two different ways. One, and and I think some people miss on all parts, right? Like, hey, you're starting, go talk to them. And then you're right, yep. the the tactical. Hey, here's what you need to get paid. Here's how you log your time. But then there's the what to expect. Right. If you're working in a technology company versus a, um, a marketing company versus insurance versus finance, like th those day ones and kind of ex expected behaviors are very different. So you also shared um, that an MSP has driven an orientation for you versus kind of a, a, the actual company has driven the orientation. Talk a little bit about orientation and what you mean by adding that human factor. The orientations are typically uh, managed by uh, in, my, in my experience, I've, I've, I've seen all of them. Uh, I've had no orientation where it's really just they walk in, here's your laptop, you start working with, you know, with uh, a quick introduction to the team. Um, I think that's one end of the spectrum. The other end where it's a uh, more focused on here's who we are, like the, the company, and um, what you can expect and um, you know, what are some uh, values and, and missions that are important to the company. So I think that the, the, what distinguishes that side, um, that end of the spectrum is uh, that human factor, the um, being feeling welcomed into the, into, the, um, into the company. I don't think it really makes a very big difference who's delivering the message. It can be the MSP, it can be the staffing supplier, yeah, um, but I think it's it really feels like you're not just uh, for the worker. It's not just oh, I'm here to do a job for six months and after that I leave. Um, uh, so I think that is the part that is really not being emphasized as much today. And I agree. I think uh, I'm still Stephen Clancy's line from SIA. It's like the ghost of co-employment, right? Everyone's so fearful. Don't know these people come in and are going to think they're employees kind of dehumanize and say, we hope you figure it out on yourself because we don't want to be sued. And that's not really the right tone, right? The idea is, it's actually to help them get productive, 
Like there's nothing wrong with enabling your entire workforce to understand what's expected of them on the first day, how to play within the rules, right? If we speak about contractors versus independent versus outsource, let's, let's speak about contractors and staff augmentation specifically. You want them to know how to operate, right? And Amazon is different from a LinkedIn. A farmer's insurance is different from a, from a city bank or so. So, you know, when you talk about the culture and values, I think it is something that's important. And that whether it's a, a company like, um, again, like with Salesforce, their team doing it versus the MSP versus staffing supplier, I think it is important to share what your what type of culture and tone you're coming in there. I know folks who are very email for, first. They want no meetings. It's just all email. Like that's an important thing to share. And then I know other folks that I think about my, my background at LinkedIn. It was all about collaboration and relationships matter. And so that meeting of, of chatting and sharing minds and then getting to email was a really important. If you go in and are doing the exact opposite of something of it, like it kind of affects who you are and your performance. They're going to say not a culture fit or, ah, you know, the poor performance is okay. And that's something that can be corrected. And so I think when you were sharing about your, your orientation onboard experience, it was here's how to set them up right. So you set them up on a level playing field of what's expected, but also how to get them moving with the team and why you hired them in the first place. You had mentioned a little bit yeah, about speed versus quality, sorry. Um, and you had attended a conference, right, where the facilitator said, like, no one really cares about that contractor's point of view. Kind of thread that in for me. Like, why is it overlooked? Yeah, I think there's a couple of factors. Um, and you touched on it right then. And, and that's that's a great point about co-employment, right? Like the um, the fear the that uh, it's it's uh, not completely irrational, right? I mean, it's it, I think there's there's um, enough that's happened in the business world that makes legal and um, most mostly illegal uh, councils, our employment councils, um, are are concerned, right? The 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 potential um, risk that the company could could take. So. I think, and from a uh, a staffing side, and it, you know, when I think about this, it's really ironic because without the workers, none, none of us would be here, right? With this industry would not exist because the um, the workers are actually the one, right? If there wasn't a need for contingent staffing, right, we would not be really having this this deep discussion. So I think it's um, it's often looked overlooked because of the cold co-employment factor um, and then also from a business model perspective right I work in procurement supply chain we're about uh, uh, right place right time right cost so it's all those data all those um, numbers are, are, are driven this right and people are not a machine right so these are human beings they're living and breathing and they have feelings so I think uh, when we overlook that, we just treat them as, oh, uh, there's a vacancy at company XYZ and uh, the MSP um, in a traditional model, the MSP would uh, send out the requisitions to the suppliers network and supplier like, okay, I'm competing with 10 other suppliers to fill this requisition and I got to get, get, get moving quickly, right? So, uh, and today, um, the, the biggest advantage a supplier has is still how many recruiters they have, how big their network is, how fast they can find a candidate and be able to submit that candidate. So um, it, does, it doesn't allow time to really 
think about the candidate and and really just like I need to plug it in. I need to find uh, being that you know a, a, it's like a professional matchmaker, right? Find that person and be able to, to fit in that uh, fit in that role. So I think um, those two are probably the biggest reasons. No, and and I agree with you. I think what the recruiting industry has gone through is it used to be my little black book. You don't know about them, right? I have these relationships. And then kind of democratization of, of the internet, things like LinkedIn or whatnot became like everyone can find these yep. people. And so then it became about speed. Right. But you're right, because it became about speed, the connection and relationship are gone, right? And so you had mentioned before, when you had been recruited, you got ghosted. Someone submitted you and then you didn't hear back from them. And then it became a big race because then they did hear back, but you kind of didn't trust them anymore, right? And so you see these recruiting firms and consulting firms, right, attempt to balance, hey, I have these rules within a CW program of how quickly I have to get people in or what my numbers are. But then you kind of see the actual contractor push back and say, I don't want to be submitted by you anymore, right? You, you left me. You had, there was no reason for me to kind of work with you. You kind of said I wasn't important and now I'm your most important thing. Like there's, a, there's like a disconnect between what that relationship is. Like what are your thoughts on that? Absolutely. I think, I think the trust factor is important, right? Uh, again, um, when, uh, because there's so many, there's multiple layers, right? And I did not know this when I first got into this, uh, when I was a contractor, when I was first into this world, I started talking to the recruiting agency and staffing agency. And then, um, uh, of course, working with the end client, but then uh, I did not know this whole world of MSP existed, right? Until I stepped into that world, I was like, oh, wow, there's, there's another, group of um uh there's there's a, another uh key function right that exists to, to make this all to make this work to make this machine go um and uh but going back to the to the human factor and really build up develop relationships i think that would be that would create a lot of um a lot of benefits and and value add a lot of value to this to this supply chain um uh, because um, it's important to have that network, right? It's important to, and develop the, the, the personal relationships. Like, for example, I, I, you know, my own, another personal example was that when I was a contractor, um, at no point, so the communication was great up to the onboarding time, but once you're part of that client, you know, that, that company's organization, the staffing agency, other than doing payrolling and tracking the hours, basically steps away. And uh, you never interact with the MSP, of course. Um, so uh, so you're really, I, I, I think workers do feel like they're not being supported by anyone really, because the client's worried about uh, co-employment, right? They're, they're, the client's not going to really work that closely beyond what's on the, requirements of the of the project right of the the same work and um so there i think that that disconnect um even if regular check-in or a few uh weeks or months before the project is ending a, a check-in like how how's your project what how's your experience been at company abc um is is there anything that uh, we can do is there any opportunities you're interested in or uh, or maybe the 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 supplier has a, um, or I mean, the agency has another opportunity that they can uh, potentially offer for the uh, for the worker. So those, I feel like 
that uh, that's one area that I, I don't think is done very well today and, and could be improved. Yeah, no, and I hear a couple of things on that, right? One is, you're exactly right, like the handoff between staffing, uh, staffing partner, right? like we're trying to get things to staffing partners, right? Not just staffing firms or staffing supplier. Staffing partners sets you up, but then they have to do let you know about the CW program team and whether it's branded as, you know, the contingent workforce program team, you know, nebulous to whether it's an MSP or not, or it's we're handing you off to X MSP, kind of letting them know like who's responsible for them. And then the, but I'm going to check in on you, you know, at the end of your first week or the end of your first month, or you're exactly right. Like making sure they recognize that, hey, someone is kind of caring after them. There is another person that they can always count on, right? What do you think the CW programs teams can do to help encourage that relationship between whether it's the staffing partner um, or the MSP, like for Salesforce, like what, would, what could you potentially recommend to say, we should be doing this or our staffing suppliers know what's expected as far as onboarding throughout the entire engagement? Yes, I think uh, because it's such a complex system, right, right there's a lot of, um, we have hiring managers, we have the program sponsors, we have MSP, we have the staffing partners, right? So there's mul multiple um, layers and, and it, it really takes everyone working together to make it work. If the hiring manager does not explain clearly what he or she is looking for in a, in a, uh, in a role, then we would not be able to, the staffing partner is not gonna be able to produce the, the right fit, the right, right, the right candidate. So that's, um, I think that's number one, it's very critical. And that's where M the MSP play a very critical role, right? Because MSP is the one that talks uh, with all the parties, right? With, with exception of the, with the worker, but, but they do see the resumes and they um, um, may, per, may uh, be responsible for shortlisting candidates, uh, submitting to the hiring manager, or even to some extent may do some interviews. You know, that, that may vary from place to place, but I think um, so the cooperation, collaboration among, um, among the different parties is, is very important. And I think from a um, program management perspective, um, um, it's very important to be very clear and consistent uh, with, with policies and procedures and, um, and make it, um, uh, I remember when I attended CWS last year, there was a, there was a session that talks about, you know, uh, the different, where's your program basically, right? Without, and, and the key takeaway for me from that, um, that meeting was um, just seeing the, the, the spectrum, right? The one end you have very compliance, very hard rules, very strict. This is, you know, you can't do this, you can't do that, right? And the very other, and the other end is in it, um, it's enablement, right? Enablement meaning, how do we make this basically allow the managers to be successful, allow everybody to be successful. And so I think finding that right balance and um, you know, working with the stakeholders internally to create the, the policies and procedures and things that would make it most the easiest for the hiring manager. Remember, they, 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 they're the ones that actually make the hiring decision, right? So they need to be happy and the staffing partner um, to be able to bringing the right candidates. So it's to connect those two dots. I think that's the most important thing. Uh, I have a question from the audience, somewhat separately though. Um, 
So the attendee asks, we just received notification that we can't test for THC in drug tests in New York City. Do you see that trend extending across the country? Do you know if Eric, you want to take that one? I was going to say, David, I'm happy to start, or if you want to, but yeah, I'm happy to. So I'll say this. I, I do see that extend the country. I think it's an interesting time right now on privacy, right? And drug tests are used more commonly in light industrial and manufacturing versus technology. Um, I think going back to work with COVID, people have started to wonder what the line is like, what is allowed to be tested or asked of me, right? I think THC is interesting, right? Every, like across the sorry, across the country, people have had questions about, you know, what is weed okay versus not? And what position is it okay to ask or not? And so my guess is, is yeah, I think especially as more states have legalized it, right? There's what's legal versus what's compliant for your role. My guess and assumption as we kind of kind of fight around what's privacy versus not is that people will, will say if it's COVID related and feverish, you're allowed to test for it. If it's recreational, unless it's against like what your job and we've already had this in effect, right? This shouldn't be like, hee hee, now I can add this test. Should be if it was a test that you were tested for now or be, sorry, before, then go ahead. But don't, you can't sneak it in as like, here's a new rule that I can now now do. So my guess is it's gonna, it's gonna vary state by state. It's gonna vary kind of industry but in, by industry. But I think folks are gonna push back if they start to see new regulations or privacy things that they think aren't adhered to for their actual role. I mean, David, what do you think? Yeah, I think you're exactly right. It's definitely a, a balance between what is the, the, the business's need and then, um, and then the, the local regulations, right? So it kind of starts with um, what the, the government, um, you know, policies and, and how they, you know, what direction they're going. And um, business do have a, a opportunity to influence and, and, and certainly uh, make recommendations and, you know, steer, uh, help steer a certain direction. Um, again, in this, in this environment, I think it's, it's just more, um, the priority is absolutely making sure that employees and, and all workers, regardless of classifications, are, are safe. Um, so I think that will take, uh, that'd be more prioritized over things like certain drugs, right? If, if it doesn't impact work performance, right? So I think that that will be all the factors that are going to be weighed into this. I agree. All right, David, no, I appreciate the conversation. We're almost out of time. I think, you know, learned a lot, heard you talk about staffing suppliers, and I know our partners here have heard this, like communication relationship matters. Don't let it drop. You, know, you submit a candidate, follow up, let them know if they're not selected. Once they're on site, right, continue monitoring that engagement because you can easily, ideally, redeploy for you, but also redeploy for the contractor and for the CW program owners. It's important, like when we think about orientation and onboarding, how to set them up, not just on the tactical things of submitting time within a VMS, but how they work actually within the company. Right? Do they have an IT uh, FAQ? How do they get help? What are common URLs? Uh, what are cultural and values? And the last thing I heard you say was really around policies, right? The manager is actually the one who's doing a lot of the work with them. And so the staffing supplier should know what's allowed versus not the CW program, but the manager needs to be helping share that. i like, this is what your excitement here is going to look like. Here's what you can versus can't do. Cause they're the ones who are really responsible in making sure that the worker actually adheres to them or not. And so again, I, I go back to, it's about communication and consistency. So 
Again, thank you for your time. Absolutely. I know it's crazy right now in everyone's work week, so I appreciate that. Saad, do you wanna do you wanna close us up? Yeah, sorry, there is one more question, but if oh. you guys have a hard stop, then we can close it. <laughs> no, go ahead. Okay. So the attendee yeah. asked, um, we also view the onboarding situation as a significant branding opportunity. Do you agree with this? That would be why we feel it's so important to partner with the client to make onboarding a special experience. I agree. I, I would say it's a, it's a great opportunity. Not, it's actually for everyone, I would think. Um, for every part, every party involved here, uh, obviously the end client is the one that's works close, going to be working very, the closest with that worker. So it's definitely an opportunity to brand your company, right? Because they're going to be spending time, um, whether it's six months, 12 months or more at, this, at the company. Um, but it's also an opportunity. I feel, again, um, I, I uh, didn't, get, didn't say this earlier, but um, for the, I alluded to earlier, should I, the staffing partner should have a build that relationship with the, with the candidates. And I think um, they should absolutely use it as an opportunity to brand that as well. Look, we are a, uh, you know, one of the, biggest staffing uh, suppliers in the Bay Area. We have rep opportunities at these companies. So I think, you know, with, we all talk about the gig economy and the trend that this market is going, um, especially with the current uh, economic climate, that there will be more and more, um, uh, so, you know, gig workers or independent workers. So I think this is an opportunity to build those relationships. And um, because um, you want to be able to, again, the speed is, is very critical, right? So uh, to have that opportunity to uh, expand uh, your network even bigger and be able to meet the needs of the client even faster. So I think absolutely uh, anytime anyone can talk to a candidate, it should be a branding opportunity regardless of what, uh, it's not just the, for the end client, but every party here. Yeah. And, I, and I think just to, to round that up, I totally agree because it's competitive market, right? You have a choice to join someone with all, all things equal. You have a choice to join uh, Google's or Facebook's, right? Cost is the same, role is the same, excitement's the same. You know, how they made you feel. I think the last time we talked, David, you kind of quoted Maya Angelou. It's like, they'll, they'll forget the things you told them, but they won't forget the way that they made you feel. And so when we think about kind of that branding and what's in your orientation and like how you welcomed them in and brought them in, I think, it, becomes a differentiator and whether it's to join your to join your team or to use your product because exactly to what you were saying is it's there's a consumer brand as well as an employee brand right and those things can't be different right if it feels really bad to join then i probably won't want to buy and so it, it absolutely it absolutely matters great well agree thank you thank you guys for answering that last question and going a little over and yes, let's close it out. Um, thank you again all for joining. Apologies for the earlier difficulties, but we'll have the full recording sent out to you shortly. And we'll be back again in about two weeks with another session. So um, be on the lookout for that. And if you want to see any of the previous transcripts, you can go to blog.utmost.co. And we have previous transcripts from our time with Stephen Kekic, um, our time with Erica, um, and our time with um, Jillian from the law firm Sherman and Sterling. So please go check that out if you would like some more resources. Um, other than that, thank you all and take care. Have a good day, guys. Thank you.